Hi, welcome to the latest episode of my podcast, which is the audio recording of an interview. The video version is available on Facebook, YouTube, and most of the time on Instagram. My Facebook group is called Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, and all the links to everything else are on there. Um, If you want any feedback or if you want to suggest any authors you'd like to see, I'd really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon. Today I'm talking to Lorraine Turnbull. Hiya, Lorraine. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi. Well... I'm Lorraine Turnbull. Um, Obviously, from my accent, you can tell I'm from Scotland originally. But at the moment, I'm living in sunny but very cold Dordogne. Uh, So we moved here three years ago. And we moved in September. And my first book came out in May. And that was in uh, 2018. And lockdown has been fabulous for me because all I've done is write books and publish books, which is great. So I've just finished one literally yesterday, um, and that will be number five. (laughs) So, but, you know, I need people to buy the books, folks, so keep the money rolling in. I I try and entertain with my writing, but um, this is our only income right now. So this is what I'm doing on a full-time basis. Uh, Did you always want to be a writer? Um, I've always written since I was a kid. I was an early reader. I was reading at like three and a half, four. And as you do, you're writing stories and, you know, you never finish them, but you're writing them and, horsey stories and stuff like that and then real life unfortunately gets in the way and you have to go out and earn a living and um, it was only when I started working for the rural business school in Cornwall when I lived in Cornwall and I was delivering courses and part of that was um, helping farmers pick a course to make the most of their farm And then I was approached by a couple of small holding magazines who asked if I would write articles. And then that snowballed. And then I thought, well, my book's only a big article. How hard can it be? Um, And I started doing this nonfiction book. And it was easy. It was just, you're literally sitting at the computer, tapping it out, 200 words a, a day, Every day, easy peasy, and then the editing bit, which was the hardest bit. So the first book took a few months because I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do formatting. I didn't know how to do editing. Um, I've got it off pat now because I'm an expert, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a lot easier, but that, that was the thing, and it was just easing into it gently doing an article and then I thought well a book a non-fiction book it's like lots of different articles you bundle them up into chapters how hard can it be so that's how I started Um, and then what made you carry on did it do well the first book well now here's a confession the first book was published through a hybrid publisher 
who turned out to be not a very nice person in the end, and I made hardly any money out of it. I had no control over the cover, which when he showed me the original cover, I said, well, we can't have that. That's dreadful. No one's going to even see that on a bookshelf. So we had a few professional disagreements and then the book was out and selling really well. And I was getting people emailing me and telling me how great the book was. And all I could see was the mistakes, the rubbish cover and the fact that I wasn't making any money. And I just said, I'm not doing this again. So I bit the bullet, um, started Fat Sheet Press. So I now have my own imprint. And my, my, my four books that I've published since are all, I've, I've done it, but I, I get a professional formatter. Uh, I've done one cover myself, which was fine for the book that it was, but I do tend to try and get a professional cover because nothing looks worse than a really cheapy cover because it just, it's so off-putting for the reader, I think. You know, when you go into a bookshop and you pick a book up, and you flip it over and you read the blurb, the cover's selling the book. And if it's rubbish, they're not going to buy it. So, yeah, I've, 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 I've learned loads over the last four years, but it's all been really positive. It's not all been easy, but it's all been really positive. And I feel as if I'm, I've grown as a writer. <laughs> um, what did you read when you were a child? Oh, God, C.S. Lewis. Um, what else did I read? Uh, fairy tales, lots of fairy tales. Um, lots of history books. Uh, not really novels. I was never really a kind of novel girl. Um, and then I did English at school. Uh, and it was, oh, God, some of the worst books you've ever read in your life. You hated reading them. The Silver Sword. Jesus, I hated that book. Hated it. And then we, we went into, um, like, higher secondary, and we started to get, like, 1984 and more interesting books. And then that, that was it. I was hooked. So, you know, you're reading Jane Austen, uh, Orwell, um, I'm a Dickens girl, I like Dickens. My daughter likes um, Henry James and stuff like that, but it's not my bag. But I've read so much and, and it's so easy nowadays. I mean, the time is great because normally I'm running sheets, but as I don't have any customers at the moment, I'm either writing or reading. And it's great because I can, I can, I can go onto Amazon, which is a terrible rabbit hole. And you can just you could just spend your life on there and you think, oh, I need to read that. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> so the last the last major book I read was Shuggy Bame, which is not an easy read, but well worth reading. And and it was really good because obviously I'm a Glaswegian. He's writing about Glasgow. I can recognize a lot of it, but I can now pass that on to my kids who are in their 20s. And it's a, it's a Glasgow they don't know. So it's quite good to, and my daughter's starting to pass books to me, so it's, it's quite interesting how we evolve. <laughs> yeah, I keep hearing about that. Um, it's on my TBR. But, yeah. um, it's a hard I, book, but I think it's worth the read. Yeah, I mean, I read War and Peace just to do it, never again. 
I gave that up. Too many characters. Yeah, (laughs) and Russian names as well. (laughs) I studied English literature for A-level and I had to read the mill on the floss and I've never forgiven them. (laughs) I hated it and I still hate it. I'd never read it again. Well, Uh, (laughs) we'll it's like that. I love the rest. I mean, we're allowed to read Frankenstein, uh, Dracula and all that stuff. That was cool. But Mill on the Flops, no. Oh, well. Never mind. Yeah, it didn't put me off. I still read crazy amounts now, so it's fine. (laughs) Um, Do your children read the books that you write? No, nobody reads the books I write. My husband's not. I've got five books now. And he never reads any of them. He's not read one. Um, my my daughter read the first six chapters, the book that I've just finished, she read the first six chapters and, and pulled out all the grammar mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's far too many commas. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm working on it, Kate. I'm, I'm <laughs> And my son, and this is the thing that's completely different, my son said, Oh my God, Mum, that first line is bloody hilarious. <laughs> and then he's asking me, what does this word mean? Because I use a lot of Glaswegian words and he doesn't, he do, and he said, an English person's not going to understand that. And I said, right, I'll change it then. So, but, but they're not keen. They're not keen. I think they're proud of me because I've done it, but they're not interested. So, such is life. That's quite common, though, if that makes you feel any better. A lot of authors I speak to, their partners and their family, sometimes, yeah, but on the on the whole, they're not interested. Yeah. So, yeah, if that makes you one feel day, any better. One day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just read it out to them. They've got no choice then. Well, here's another confession. When I wrote, the, when I wrote this book, there's one slightly steamy... <clears throat> very long paragraph in it and I sent it I sent it I sent it to Kieran on his phone and I said look I just want you to read through this and he went oh my god mum you're not writing porn I'm like well technically it's, <laughs> technically it's not porn but I said I just want you to read it and I, I said then just tell me what you think and he had it on his phone and his girlfriend took his phone off him and read it to her mother <laughs> So she thought it was hilarious. Kieran got really embarrassed and walked out the room because it's like, oh my God, my mother's written this stuff. You know? <laughs> and of course, you know, as a parent, you're never supposed to have sex and babies just appear because the storm brings them. So <laughs> I have now told them that I probably won't write anything steamy ever again now. <laughs> just don't send it to him. <laughs> it's, but it's hard, it is. It's, it's difficult. And, it, you know, you're thinking... Well, I don't I don't want it to be glorified in your face sex, but it was part of the story and I kept going back and changing it and toning it down and and then I, I did one change too many and I thought, well it doesn't make sense anymore now. So it's difficult. But it's not for me. It might be a real good money spinner, but I, I just can't do it. <laughs> Uh, but which of your books would you like to be a character in? Well, I've got an, a, a kind of autobiography. It's a memoir. So I'm obviously in that as a character. 
Um, my other two books are non-fiction, but the book that I'm writing now, I really enjoyed. It's my first novel, and I see myself in two of the characters. One, because she's an older woman and she's just got to that stage in life where she just doesn't care anymore. Um, and it's wonderful. And it was so cathartic writing it because I thought, you know, see, when I'm 80, I'm going to be her. That is me. Um, and her daughter is another one of the characters. And I think she is... And this is terrible because it's a murder story, but I can see a lot of similarities there. <laughs> and, and, and I'm writing it and I'm thinking, this is me, this is me. I could easily just do this. It's not a... So I'm in there, but I'm in there as the woman who is the murderer, who's my age, but I'm also in there as the, the woman who's a lot older, and, and I can see myself being that woman. I think my kids could probably see me being her at the moment. But it's quite interesting. There's other characters as well who I, I can't relate to, but I see a lot of myself in this. And I suppose that's quite common as well. Well, some people say that it isn't and their characters aren't based on them, but... I'm never quite convinced, especially yeah. when I've read their books. I'm like, mm, really? <laughs> it's, yeah. It seems like you. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it's, it's been fun to do. Um, and the story's been good. Uh, and I've enjoyed the story. And it all just kind of knitted together. I think the thing, the thing that was slightly concerning was I had a plan about how the story was going to go. And... You've, you've got your characters and it's like, this is a main character. This is a, this is a tiny character. And some of the characters have just, they've just taken over. And, and you know, and then it's like, but, but they're supposed to, he's supposed to die in chapter five. Why is he still there in chapter eight? Oh. <laughs> but, but it's developed and it's been really nice. And, and the, the sad thing was one of the characters who's not a very nice person I had to make her the baddie. And it was so difficult because I'd really got to like her. And I thought, but I, I, to tie it in with the story, I had to just go back and make her really calculating and nasty. And that was really hard because the characters become like your friends. And, and that's so hard to do. And, you know, you're thinking... Well, I like Roddy. He's a good-looking lad, and he's a nice chap. He's a wee bit on the feminine side, and he's a big softy, really. My son said, he's really wet. I says, no, no, he's just sensitive. And he went, he's really wet. And I said, well, that's the way he's going to be. So, but it's been great fun. It's been great fun. He sounds like it. <laughs> um, so do you have more in the pipeline? Oh, Yeah. I, I finished this book two days ago and I spent yesterday editing it and I sat down and I thought, I'll have a day off. And then I thought after two hours, what the hell do people do when they haven't got anything to do? And, I, and my husband said, go and do the garden. I said, I've done the garden. And I said, I need to have something to do. So I started jotting down Murder in the Moulin, Murder at the Moulin, 
which is murder at the mill. And I've already got a story. I've got a baddie. I've got a goodie. I've got a love story there. I've got three murders, all in the space of an hour. <laughs> and, and, you know, and he said, I thought you were going to rest. I said, I can't do that. I can't do this relaxed thing. I said, I've got the idea there now. So I've got to sit and just plan it out and start writing it. So I've actually d- done now, t- this morning, half a chapter. So I'm on a roll with it. So, yeah, it's going to be another comedy murder set in France uh, at, a, at, at a water mill. So we'll see how that goes. Early days. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you going to have recurring characters or are they going to be standalones? Um, they're going to be totally different. There's not a kind of carry forward from the last book, so they're going to be totally new characters. And I don't think I'm in this at all. I think I've got that out of my system with the last book, but I, I cannot see any bit of me in there. But the, the, the guy who is the murderer, oh, he's, he's wonderful. He's so... I can see I can see him in my head. He's got a Salvador Dali moustache and he thinks he's an artist and he's the worst artist in the world. And he's got such a massive chip on his shoulder. And I thought, you're perfect. You're going to be so nasty. You're going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's great fun. It is great fun. Yes, <laughs> um... What made you choose after writing your non-fiction to write in that genre? Well, the non-fiction that I have written is, is, is very narrow niche. So it's small holding, which is like really small farming. Um, I used to own a small holding in Cornwall. 1.2 acres is about as small as you get. Um, and I used to teach and, and, and worked as a, a course coordinator for the Rural Business School. So I think the reason why I was writing that, people always say, write what you know. And being a teacher, it's when you're writing that kind of book, it's kind of like teaching. So it was really kind of natural. Um, but unfortunately, you're appealing to a very small audience. So... It's very UK based. Um, you're, you're not kind of reaching anybody outside that tight farming circle. So um, naturally, it doesn't really make a vast amount of money for me. And I really don't want a big, huge yacht to be parked at Monaco, but it would be quite nice to get you know what it's like, you look on Amazon and you you, you look up an author that you like and they've got like 7,000 reviews. And I thought, God, I'd give my heart for 7,000 reviews. And I know they're not all going to be great. Some of them are going to be rubbish and they're going to say, you can't write this as drivel, your characters are, you know. But it would be so nice. Um, the memoir that I wrote has got a lot of reviews and I talk in that about when my mother came to live with us because she had dementia and it was very, very difficult. But a lot of people have actually contacted me privately and said, thank you for writing about it the way that you did, because 
that's the way I felt because it's it's really hard. It's so hard. And unless you've been there and you do feel guilty because everybody expects you to act like a saint and, you know, you're a martyr. And it was like, I, I remember standing in a field going, God, why won't she die? Why won't she die? And, and people used to write to me saying, that's exactly how I felt. And it was brilliant to get that feedback. And it's lovely when a reader comes back to you and said, I love this character, or you said it completely. I could really put myself in your shoes. That's lovely. So that's really what I want, as well as the money. But that's really what I want, is just to be able to reach someone and just touch them some way that it that, that the story means something to them. I think that's that's the wonderful thing about writing. Um would you set any books in England or Scotland? Yes. The book that I've just finished, which is called Mum's the Word, it's set in Scotland. Um I mean, I lived in Scotland till I was in my mid-40s and we lived in the central belt. We were just west of Glasgow. So I've set the book there and it's lovely to go back and, and do that and put some Scottish dialect into the book. Although I had to be really careful because it can be very hackneyed or you, you put words in and people say, oh, I don't know what that actually means. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, this is why I said to my kids, because both my kids are English, and they went, what does that mean, Mum? And I went, oh, right. <laughs> so it's quite funny. So that was set in Scotland. Um, the book that I've just started, this Murder at the Moulin, is set in France. Uh, my memoir was set in Cornwall. Um, but it's great, and it's a fantastic way to travel. So, you know, it's it's... There might be there might be a book about somewhere in Italy. Um, there might be a book about I don't know. It's, the world is my oyster. You know who knows. Um, but it's lovely to be able to travel. But I think if you, for me, I have to write about places I've been to because it would be awful if somebody actually left you a review or commented about well that's not actually there or that building's on the wrong side or the river doesn't run there or whatever. So you've got to get your facts right because your reader is going to pick you up on it, so. <laughs> yeah, even though it's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, writing about Scotland was good, but I mean, I would probably write another one about in, in Scotland, so you never know. <laughs> um, do you ever dream or have nightmares about your characters? No, I, I do think about them and they're kind of with me if I'm thinking, if I'm writing, they're with me that day and I think about them and I think that's something she would say or he would never do that. But I, when I go to bed, no, they're, they're, they're not there, even though they're, you know, they're murderers, they're, they're actually quite nice murderers. <laughs> Or I don't do any of that. I don't like that. Um, so no, I don't have any bad dreams. They don't come back to haunt me. Uh, I don't think they kind of live inside me like 
separate personalities or anything like that. I don't think there's anything like that. <laughs> um, what's the most interesting thing you found out researching your books? The most interesting thing, Chings. I don't know. That's a really good question. I think I, I sat and did a little bit of research on this watermill story, and the the main character he buys this dilapidated, rundown watermill. And I sat and did a bit of research because I thought there must be loads of like if you buy a 16th century building, there has to be like, oh, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that, it's got to be done like this, the heritage people have to know. They don't care. They're only interested in the actual water course, which was a total surprise because I thought, okay, so I go and I buy a 16th century water mill and I can basically flatten it and build a new house. They went, yeah, as long as you don't upset the water, and I thought that's really bizarre. So I found that out, which was strange, but the, the murder thing <clears throat> in a past life, I used to be a policewoman. So I, I kind of had to deal with that for a few years, a long, long time ago when I had I had an alternative career. But um, so I wasn't none of that really phased me. But the most interesting thing I think is the watermill thing. Oh, people are weird, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Um, have you made lots of author friends? Yes, and quite bizarrely, because um, I started doing Twitter about nine months ago, and uh, my son said, what are you going on Twitter for? And I said, it's kind of a marketing thing, but I said it's... And he said, Mum, people can be really horrible on Twitter. They'll swear and they'll post you pictures. And oh. and he said, don't do it, don't do it. So I, I was ready for it. And, I, and I've heard a lot about it. And um, I was posting a few things and people were liking my stuff. And your friend count goes up, as it, as it does on Facebook. But I've got to say, Twitter's quite interesting because I'm actually quite friendly with a lot of authors. And then it's my son who's nosing on my account and he'll say things like, Phil McDermott's a friend of yours. And I went, yeah. And he went, this is the real Phil McDermott. And I went, yeah. And I said, it's a kind of Scottish thing, son. We all kind of know each other. <laughs> and he went, but James Wong likes your stuff. And I said, well, I, I said, I don't know. And he went, Keanu Reeves? He says, what is that about? And I said, I don't think it's the real Keanu Reeves, Kieran. So, but it's great. I mean, I talk to people now and I've got a lot of, a lot of author friends who have been really helpful. So, and, and I'm, I try and be really polite when I'm asking for help um, because I don't want to offend anyone, obviously. But I think other authors are really generous and, and, you know, they're generous with their time. They'll give you ideas. Um, there's one I, I said, I've written this blurb, and I said, I just want you to read it. I said, it's short enough, but it's not it's not flowing. 
And she came back and she changed it for me and I read it and I thought, God, that's brilliant. And I said, that's, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for your help. And there's none of this, like a jealousy, they're trying to put, there's none of that. I just think, you know, we might not be writing in the same genre, but anytime anyone's got a launch day, you're like, oh, well done, that's brilliant. You're sharing posts. And I think that's lovely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've seen books, seen the covers, had a read of them and bought books just on the strength that they're either my friend on Facebook or my friend on Twitter because it's nice to support, but it's, it's bringing a book to my attention that I didn't know about. And I, and I read it and I think, oh, yeah, that's right up my street. I, I really fancy that. So it's been brilliant making all these friends. Yeah, and that's quite common. Um, and I've found that since being involved in the community as well. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's good fun. It is good fun. And would you come back for any of the book festivals? I, I came back to Cornwall uh, two years ago for a month doing a book tour. My God, it was it was hard work. It was hard work. The driving to go places, um, setting up, doing the talk, doing the talking's fine. Uh, so you go there and you do the talk and you plug your book and all the rest of it. But it's very tiring, and it's and if you get just a few people turning up or they're not interested, and you can tell right away whether they're you know they're motivated, they're engaging with you. And God, that's hard. That is hard. Um, so I think if I came, if I came back to the UK, it would need to be really well organised because you know it's a big journey for me to come from France back to the UK. It would need to be well organised. I would need to know. Oh God, I'd need to know there was alcohol at the end of the night <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's like, oh, I'm going to go to, I don't know a bookshop in Glasgow and, and they're very direct, you know, it's, and, and it's like, I have bought your book and it's rubbish, hen. <laughs> you just be saying, why am I here? Why am I here? But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm open to anything. You never know. I, I might publish this book and it could be the next big thing. Um, and then everyone will be falling over themselves to buy my book and, you know, come for a book tour. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. I think as long as there's alcohol at the end of the night, I'll be quite happy. Have <laughs> you not heard of Harrogate? Sorry? Have you not heard of Harrogate? It's the biggest festival, I think. The biggest, it's crime book festival um, in Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I've got to say, I don't really know Yorkshire. I, I, I do know where Harrogate is and I've been there, but it's a massive journey. And it's, you know, I don't know anyone. I wouldn't feel I had the support there. So I'd need to really think about that. I, I think if I went back to Cornwall, I know people there and I, I feel as if I'm supported. And obviously if I go to Glasgow, there's people there that I know. But, you know, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, the biggest one. And there's lots of alcohol. Um, <laughs> the books seem kind of secondary from what I've heard. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, I really, really want to go. I just keep seeing pictures and stuff. I'm 
it just looks awesome so yeah oh. we shall see <laughs> the yeah. end of july so depends on what the crazy world does in the meantime exactly exactly <laughs> um what do you like to do when you're not writing would i like what do you like to do when you're not writing I like gardening. I do like gardening. Um, I like photography and I, 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 well, when we were able to get out and about, we can't now because we're in curfew. One of, one of our things was we would go out at night and take starry night photographs. So, you know, photos of uh, the Milky Way. And it's, it's, it's difficult because you're in the dark, you're taking a photograph of a black sky with a couple of stars, and it's not until you put it into the computer and bring up the light that you see what you've actually got. And it's freezing usually, it's freezing because the best time to take photos of the Milky Way is between October and March. And it gets very cold in the doddling. It's lovely in the summer, it can go up to 42 in the summer. But in the winter, it can go down to minus 15. So imagine you're in a field, right? So you're in a field and it's it's white with frost. And you've set your tripod, you've set your camera up, you've got your, I usually use a tree or something in the foreground or an old building. And by the time you're ready, your fingers have frozen, you can't press the button on the camera. <laughs> And to get to this one bit that I wanted to take, because it's a wonderful tree, it's a big old dead tree, I had to roll under an electric fence, right? And then I had to get into this field, set it up, and I knelt in a frozen cow pat. And it wasn't until I got back out the car and got back into the house, because with the heat, and I'm like, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, God, the things I do, I was out there for an hour, set the camera up, knelt in the cow, pat, come back, the dogs thought it was the most interesting thing in the world, <laughs> you know, and then you're, you're putting it into the computer hoping, please, God, let me have a fantastic photo here, and it's like we visited that tree about, oh, eight or nine times, must have taken about 60 photographs before we could get Thank God it was digital, so it's not film. But we managed to get about three decent pictures. But people don't understand that. They just look at a photograph <laughs> and they say, oh, that's nice. But they don't understand everything that goes into it. But that's that's what I do. There you go. I'm a closet photographer. <laughs> what do you do in the summer months then? Please tell me you do something more fun. Well, normally we've got guests here at the Jeets and... Um, Guests can be either really lovely and easy peasy, or they can be really hard work. And the minute they've arrived, you're wishing they were leaving. Um, so we haven't had that now for a year. And I and I do miss it. I do miss the people coming. Um, but what do we do in the summer? We go for walks along the river. We go canoeing. Uh, we sit down at our local bar, people watching thinking about characters for, for books, you know, you think, oh, yes, he's going to be a perfect character. So you're writing it down and and and, and trying to get, so this book that I'm, I've just started, there will be some French phrases and they don't use the same phrases as we do. So it's like I'm saying to my friend who runs the bar, she speaks English, 
tell me what this is in French. And she said, I don't know what that means. And I say, well, it's, it's what we say in English, like poor as a church mouse. And she says, we don't have that here. And I said, well, you must have something like that. And she said, well, you'll say it's as poor as a church rat. And I say, oh, okay. So the, the sayings are totally different. And then she's got to tell me it in French. Now I've got to write it down and try and remember it. <laughs> but it's lovely just sitting at a cafe or a bar, people watching. And we do that. Well, we did that before lockdown. So hopefully that will happen again soon. Yeah, hopefully. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? My first... Celebrity crush. My first... Oh, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> I don't think I feel the same about him now, but at the time, <laughs> I thought he was wonderful. <laughs> no. That makes me feel very, very old. <laughs> nah. Oh. Never mind. Oh. Um, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Well, that I'm going to admit to. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> the most embarrassing thing. Oh, I don't know. I've had some bloopers, but I'm not going to tell you about them. <laughs> I'm trying to think about one I can actually tell you. Uh... Oh, I don't know. I do loads of embarrassing things. That's the trouble. Um... <laughs> I have come out the ladies with my skirt tucked into my knickers before. I have actually done that. Um... <laughs> I don't know. There are a few, but they're just, I can't tell you. They're just so bad, I can't tell you. Um, but I've never, like, cleaned my windows when the window cleaner's been there and, you know, with no clothes on or anything like that. I've never done anything like that. Uh, so, I no, I'll have, to, I'll have to pass on that one, I think. <laughs> I'll ask you uh, in a day or two when you've had a chance to remember, or I'll ask you after, and you okay. can tell the X-rated ones. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, the men usually their stories involve nakedness, generally involving alcohol, but not all the time. So I've had some, I've had some stories. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been in some alcoholic. Oh, God, no, I couldn't tell you these things. I, honestly, there are plenty, but I can't tell you them because it's like <laughs> I don't know who would be even looking at this. And they'd be going, I remember that night. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm assuming this was all pre-cameras uh, and social media and stuff, so at least there's no evidence of it. There's no evidence, thank God. But a lot a lot of it was in my police days. Police <laughs> nights out have a lot to answer for. A lot to answer for. And, um, oh God, I mean, even when I look back, I think, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I actually, and, and I'm I'm pretty broad-minded, I'm pretty adventurous, and I look back and I think, I can't believe I actually did that. And when you go into work the next morning and they're all looking at you and you're going, we're not going to talk about this. We're just not <laughs> going to talk about it. 
Uh, yeah, actually, I don't think I could even begin to imagine. <laughs> oh. um, what would your those closest to you say that your worst habits are? Biting my nails. Biting my nails is a bad one. Um, I can drink a lot before I'm drunk. Uh, must be all the must be all the practice I get. Um, <laughs> I I think I've got quite a long fuse, but when I blow, I really blow. I mean, I can remember arguments. Either not really. I've not, I don't think I've really argued with John, but I can remember arguments with my daughter, and I can remember arguments with friends. And my God, I have a temper, but it takes a lot to get it going. But once it's there, you know, it's, it takes a long time to calm down. So I think the temper thing, the, the nails, I mean, the nails, they're so, I mean, look at those. This is my pinkies. Awful. <laughs> so yeah, biting the nails, uh, drinking, um, not very tolerant of stupid people. <laughs> that's, that's quite a bad one. And I, I don't mean that to sound as if I'm superior, but you read a lot on Facebook and you read a lot on Twitter and you think, you know, and, and politicians, this drives me nuts. I'm watching them on the telly and I'm shouting at the telly and I'm shouting things like, you're a liar, you're a liar. <laughs> You know, my husband's sitting there and he's going, they can't hear you. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I think I have quite a few faults. <laughs> yeah, uh, I work in retail, so I also have the intolerance of stupid people. It's not no. a good mix. No, but... Oh, it, do you know, and, and, and it was always hard, and I used to say when I was a teacher... There's no such thing as a stupid question, but my God, they, you know, they had to just walk away sometimes and you're thinking, did she actually say that? Right, here's one, here's one, right. Teaching a chicken, a chicken course, right? And a woman asked me about hatching eggs. How do you know if an egg is fertile? And I said, well, if you, if you put the egg under a hen or you put it in an incubator, eventually it'll hatch. And she says, yeah, but if you're looking at an egg, how do you know if it's fertile? And I said, well, you can't, you can't tell by looking at it. And I said, but if you crack the egg into a plate, you can look, there's a little group of cells called a blastosphere. And I says, and depending on how it looks, you know if it's either been fertilized or not fertilized. And she went, oh, so she's writing this down. And then she says to me, how do you sell a taper up again to put it under the chicken? <laughs> and I thought, okay, but a wee bit challenged, obviously. <laughs> I said to her, you're not serious? And she went, well, can you glue it? And I said, no. And she says, well, what do I do with it? And I said, well, you can scramble it, you can fry it. But <laughs> And she said, no, 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 but how do I stick it together? I said, you can't, you can't do that. And I thought, I don't believe I'm explaining this. <laughs> so there you go, intolerant of very stupid people. That's, that's terrible. 
if you're watching and that was you on that course, I don't mean it. <laughs> How are you supposed to deal with people that are just, I mean, sarcasm just accidentally leaks out in those situations. So I can't help it. <laughs> I think having, having a few stock phrases like, I'm terribly sorry, I really need to go right now, or <laughs> I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out and I'll come back to you. I think you've just got to get yourself away out of the situation because you're, you're just itching to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, my brain hasn't quite caught the, you know, just stopping myself before. Yeah. Not all the time, but sometimes mm. because it's just so stupid. You're just like, <laughs> it is, it's hard. I find, I find, I say, oh, <clears throat> and I have a little cough, or I'll, I'll say, oh, excuse me a second, I'm, I, I need to go and say hello to this person, but. <laughs> you sometimes you just get caught and you're looking at them and I'm sure it shows on your face you're thinking have they really just said that <laughs> yeah. but that's yeah, all right because we're perfect and we never do these things oh god absolutely yeah that's <laughs> it slander rubbish we'd never do that <laughs> no <laughs> anyway uh, so the book that you have just finished, when are you expecting for that to be released? Well, it's at the Four Matters and she usually takes about, because we know each other now, so we know how each other works. So I'm expecting that back in a week. Um, I've just contacted a new girl to do the cover and she's starting that on Wednesday. Um, and I've kind of given her you know, this is the size of the book. This is the kind of font I want. I don't really know about colours yet. I'm thinking about these kind of ideas for pictures. So that might go on a couple of weeks. And then literally, it's just spend a day and put it on Amazon. And I think I've done it that often now. I'm getting cut off and pat so I can spend a whole day and it's everywhere. Um, but I mean, we're on... So nearly the middle of April now. I would imagine it would be out before the end of April, which would be fantastic. And I'm really looking forward. I've got my, my little group of readers who are who are great because they'll all say to me, that bit that you wrote in chapter one, change it. Or it's like my daughter said, she says, you've used this metaphor twice. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but, or... You know, she'll say things like, I didn't understand this bit, Mum, and I'll say it's Scottish humour, Caitlin. She says, I don't think anyone will find that funny. And I said, well, it's staying in because I found it funny. So, <laughs> but it's great. My readers have been brilliant um, and they're very good at giving me really honest feedback, which is important. Uh, so I'm hoping they'll like it. I'm hoping. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked that you'd like to tell us. Well, not really. I think I've just got to say um, all my books are obviously on Amazon, but you can buy them in bookshops if you if you go into an independent bookshop and just chivvy them along to buy the book. But you can see them on Amazon and have a little free read because they have that little thing. So that's quite good. If people aren't sure, certainly go preview read. But Mum's the Word will be out 
by the end of April and I've enjoyed it so much that I just hope other people enjoy it as well. Um, I'm not glorifying murder, but I think especially women will identify with the character so much. And, and the guys that died were really kind of not very nice guys and the world's a better place without them. <laughs> so I'm, look, I'm looking forward to finishing this new book and bumping off another couple of people that aren't very nice. And then we'll see where we go. I might just make this my mission to win the world of horrible people. <laughs> oh, well, after speaking to you, I can't wait because I imagine it's absolutely brilliant. So uh, I'll look forward to it. Um, and just before we go, do you just want to tell people where they can find out more about you? Oh, well, I'm on Facebook. So it's uh, Lorraine Turnbull Author. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I think that's Lorraine Turnbull author as well. And I'm on Twitter as Lorraine author, I think. <laughs> um, but it's great. I mean, I've, it, the Twitter thing's quite new and I try not to spend all day, but, it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Facebook, I'm terrible. I'm on all the time. Um, and Instagram, I think because it's really photographs, I'm not really on there so much, but I'm always happy to talk to folk. If folk want to contact me and, you know, just say, what are you writing? Or I really like this book or please write more. I've already had, please write more about this character. And I said, <laughs> okay. And will there be dogs in this book? Yes, there'll be dogs in the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so... But it's interesting. It's, it's it's interesting to see what people are looking for in a read, and you know if they say, "Well, oh, I really enjoyed this because you mentioned." So, the book "Mums the Word" is set on a Scottish cider farm. So there's a lot about orchards and how to make cider, because you've got to be you've got to make it about something to make it real. So the next book's going to be set in France about a watermill, so people will learn a little bit about a watermill. Who knows what's going to come next? But the great thing is that I'm learning as I'm doing it, so it's interesting for me too. So if folk want to get in touch with me and chat or, you know, whatever, that would be great. I'm sure they will. I'm sure some will. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember that you can view the video on my Facebook page, Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, or you can also review the video on YouTube. Um, just search for my name, uh, Donna Morfitt. Her uh, surname's M-O-R-F-E-T-T, and you should be able to find it quite easily. Um, if you want any people to be interviewed, then please let me know, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you.